great to see you, Purpose Church. It's so good to be together again, and God continues to use you even during the pandemic. Uh, at Purpose Church in Kalispell, Montana, they had a children's outreach that saw ch 20 children receive Christ last week. And then they had a youth outreach that saw uh, 10 young adults um, uh, get baptized from all over that area in that beautiful Montana lake. And you'll notice that in Montana, they have no COVID restrictions, so try not to be jealous, okay? Uh, uh, from other parts of our church family, Pastor Miguel from Comunidad Esperanza, our Spanish service, has a growing number of people online from Italy, Mexico, Argentina, Peru, Spain, El Salvador, and of course, uh, the United States. Uh, Pastor Sham told me that our international fellowship has people from Zambia, Peru, Uruguay, China, Latvia, Ireland, and the United States. Uh, Pastor Ashraf from our Arabic service speaks to people from 70 countries uh, through his own ministry during the week and also our Arabic service uh, every week. Uh, so when you add in our English service, uh, we have reached out to people from about 120 different countries during the pandemic. So our online worship services just continue to be used by God in an unprecedented way. Now let me mention some changes in the weeks ahead for our live outdoor service at 945 in the community terrace and the south parking lot. Uh, starting today, you'll no longer be required uh, to make reservations. Just show up to the service when you're comfortable to do so. Now, on average, the hottest day of the year in Pomona, would you like to guess where you are? What's the hottest day on average uh, in Pomona is August 21st. Now, that was Friday. So it's going to start cooling down from now on, and those services are just going to be more and more uh, comfortable as the days go on. On Wednesday, September 2nd, we'll start live outdoor services for our students, fifth grade uh, through high school. Uh, kids, we're thinking about you, as Pastor Sham just mentioned. On Sunday, September 6th, we will start, that's two weeks from today, we'll start a nursery through fourth grade option that runs concurrent with our 9.45 a.m. service. And then also on September 6th, we're gonna reformat the outdoor service to accommodate even more people. We're gonna share the Lord's Supper together, both here online and also in our live service. So we are launching for the fall here at Purpose Church. It's gonna be a great, great fall. Uh, COVID can't keep us down. We are on the move. And today we're continuing our summer series, Living Hope, based on the book of 1 Peter. Now, Pastor Lisa and Pastor Eric did an absolutely phenomenal job over the past three Sundays. I was up in Seattle performing a family wedding, and then Kimberly and I got to spend the, the rest of the weeks uh, with our grandchildren and children uh, from Washington, D.C. and Seattle and Peru and Palmdale and just had a great, great time. But it is wonderful to be back with you uh, once again. The title of today's message is The Power of Suffering, and it's based on 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 19. Now, the thing I have heard so many people say uh, during the pandemic, I don't know if you can relate to this or not, but I've heard a lot of people saying this, is that they feel like they're, they're weary, they're tired, they're kind of going through the motions, but everything seems to be a struggle. I've heard people say it feels like you're wading through a quicksand. It just feels like everything we do 
uh, has more resistance to it. We're like, we're like moving in slow motion. It's more of a struggle. We feel like there's something, uh, an obstacle that's keeping us from moving uh, at full speed. And so uh, I just love this next video clip. It's a picture of, of what I'm talking about. Let's watch this. I just, I love that uh, so much. Um, uh, do you feel like that during COVID that you're pushing, but there's just something that's holding you back? Well, here are some great quotes about suffering. Uh, Mary Tyler Moore wrote, pain nourishes courage. You can't be brave if you've only had wonderful things happen to you. I love this quote by Mary Ellen uh, Chase, and I don't know if she was a believer or not, but she says, suffering without understanding in this life is a heap worse than suffering when you have at least the grain of an idea what it's all about. Let's hold that for just a second. A grain of an idea of what is going on when you're suffering helps so, so much. It's so hard without Jesus when it's just random suffering. That's one of the thousand reasons I love following Jesus is that I have a, at least a grain of an idea What's going on? And Peter's gonna give that to us today. We're not gonna understand all the reasons why we go through suffering, but I hope by the end of our study, we're gonna have at least a grain of an idea. And when you have just a little bit of an idea what's going on within our suffering, that there's a purpose uh, behind it, that there's a future after it, it makes it so much uh, easier to bear than random suffering for those that don't know Jesus, where it's just like uh, suffering is just kind of a random event. Uh, suffering without understanding in this life is a heap worse than suffering when you have at least a grain of an idea what it's all for. I love this quote by Denzel Washington, oh, actually his mother, he says, my mother used to tell me that man gives the award, but God gives the reward. I don't need another plaque. I love that. What a wise mother Denzel had. Uh, people give us awards in this life. They're over, they're done with, like a plaque that rusts on our, our, gets old on our wall. But God, ultimately, after our suffering, if we persevere, is not gonna give us an L ward that is temporary, but a reward that is eternal. Jim Caviezel writes, anything that I undergo, I look at as redemptive suffering. And Graham Lotz uh, writes, I read God's word when I am not suffering, and then I don't have to all of a sudden establish this habit when I am hurting. And that's what we're gonna do right now. We're gonna look into 1 Peter and it's gonna give us some clues, at least a grain of understanding as to what we're going through now and prepare us for anything we might go through in the future. And so the first thing that Peter tells us here is to expect suffering. He says, don't be surprised by it, expect it. He says in verse 12, 
Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Now here's what's going on with the audience of Peter. Up until this point, there had been occasional personal persecution of Christians, but there hadn't been official persecution from the Roman government. Uh, Thus far, Christianity had kind of been tolerated by Rome because it was considered a sect of the Jewish faith. You know how we have denominations today, Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian. Well, in the early days, they just thought it was another denomination or a sect of Judaism, of the Jewish faith. And so because the Jewish faith, uh, they were permitted to worship freely, they were tolerated, uh, Christians kind of fell under the umbrella of that tolerant attitude by the Roman government. But now when Peter's writing under Nero, Emperor Nero and the emperors who followed, Rome began to officially persecute Christians. They began to make it an official policy of the Roman government to persecute Christians. And so for these people that Peter's writing to, it was outright physical persecution by the Roman Empire. Uh, But for us, suffering can take many different forms. Um, This particularly applies if you're in any way going through a hard time because you are a Christian. But I think some of these principles apply in whatever suffering that we might be going through. So let me give you some examples And I'm sure that you can think of many others, uh, especially maybe the ones that affect you personally. But here are some thoughts that I came up with. Uh, Kimberly and I read an article this uh, past week uh, that said the isolation caused by the pandemic has been especially hard on adolescent girls. The isolation that has come about because of the pandemic has been especially hard for, for young girls, for adolescent girls. They are suffering. Uh, People who've either gotten COVID or have had a family member uh, with it are suffering. The medical personnel of our church have uh, overwhelming pressure on them. They are suffering. Uh, This summer, we have been awakened to the hurts and fears of those who have been wounded by racial injustice. They are suffering. The people of Beirut, along with missionaries that you support from Purpose Church, are beginning the long road back to rebuilding their city and their nation. They are suffering. The teachers, the students, the parents who are starting a new school year, they are suffering. Law enforcement has been struggling to maintain the peace in some of our nation's major cities. They are suffering. Uh, Kids, uh, children, I know that you are missing being with many of your friends. Uh, Pastor Glenn knows that you are suffering. People who've lost their jobs are suffering. Uh, As Pastor Jarrett prayed earlier, firefighters in California and first responders preparing for hurricanes on the Gulf Coast are suffering. And maybe you can come up with some other ones. And if you're on the chat uh, there here online, uh, put that into the chat right now. If you can think of other ways that you are suffering or other groups of people that you are know uh, are suffering. Now, 2020 has been a year of suffering. And yet Peter has the audacity here to say, rejoice in suffering. How can that be? He's gonna give us four reasons why we can rejoice in suffering. First of all, our suffering means fellowship with Christ. He says in verse 13, but rejoice in as much as you 
participate in the sufferings of Christ. Isn't that just an amazing thought? Particularly if you suffer in any way for being a follower of Jesus. If you've gotten any resistance at work or in your family or, or, or from anyone because of being a, a follower of Jesus, you actually, Peter says, are participating in the sufferings of Christ. And I believe that we are the closest to Christ when we're suffering, whether it's for following him or any kind of suffering that we're going through. We are the closest to Jesus when we suffer. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Psalm 34, uh, verse 18, where David writes, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Are you brokenhearted today? Is your heart breaking because of something within your life? The, the Bible says that the Lord is especially close to those who are brokenhearted. And he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Are you crushed in spirit as, as the pandemic wears on, is it, is it wearing you out? Are you weary? Are you crushed in your spirit? It says that, that God is especially close to those suffering, brokenhearted, those who are crushed in spirit. Uh, hey, kids, um, here's a story you may have heard either at Purpose Kids or Awana or your parents may have shared it with you. In Daniel chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar, who's uh, kind of the dictator of, of that country at that time, he throws Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into a blazing furnace. And after he throws them in, he looks in the furnace, he turns to the guys around him, and he says, hey, didn't we just throw three guys into the furnace? And they said, yeah, it was, it was three. We all counted three. And then, then he said these words, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. This is a, a, a king that doesn't know God, and the best way you can describe it is he looks like a son of the gods. And we believe that was Jesus. It was a pre-incarnate, pre-Bethlehem appearance by Jesus. Jesus is with you in the furnace. What is a furnace that you're going through today? What, what is an area of suffering that, that you're going through in your life? no. If there's one thing you take away from our time in 1 Peter today is that Jesus is in the furnace with you. You may not avoid the furnace. Peter says, don't be surprised by the furnaces of this life. But Jesus is with you in the furnace. We are closest to Jesus when we suffer. Now, I want to share a testimony with you, a video clip. And uh, I want us to watch this. And parents, um, uh, those of you with young children, just want to give you a heads up. You may want to distract your kids for just a couple of minutes. Um, uh, it, it's a bit vague and it may go over their heads. But just in case, I want to give you a heads up. If you could just distract your young children uh, for just a couple of minutes. Uh, because this so perfectly illustrates the fact that, that Jesus is with us in our suffering. He is most present when we are in the middle of a furnace uh, that we're going through. Let's watch this. I have, um, I have four beautiful daughters now. About five years ago, I was pregnant and went in for a regular ultrasound. And as soon as the ultrasound started, we could just tell something was really wrong. And a few minutes later, I heard the words that no mother ever wants to hear, your child is not going to live. Um,
they suggested that we terminate the pregnancy. But I just knew that that wasn't what God had for me. And in fact, when the technician was doing the ultrasound, she said, I'm going to bring the doctor in and he's going to confirm what I'm looking at, but it doesn't look good. From what we're seeing, your daughter's not going to survive. You're not, you're not ever going to bring her home. But he's going to come in and he's going to talk to you. So just sit here for a minute. And so my husband and I sat in this dark room, staring at the screen and waiting for the doctor to come in. And when he came in, he said, sweetheart, what are you thinking right now? And I just kept saying over and over and over and over again, my Jesus is the same as he was before I walked in this room. He's the same. And I'll be honest and tell you that there was a lot of me that didn't feel that. The majority of me didn't feel that. But I pushed the words out. And I just said, I believe he's the same. He has not forsaken me. He hasn't forgotten me. He knows that I'm sitting in this room. And so we carried her. And um, on April 7th, 2008, I delivered a little girl who was alive when she was born. Her name was Audrey Caroline, and she lived for two and a half hours. We loved her a lifetime's worth, that short amount of time. Watched her get her first bath and a little haircut. But later that night when everyone was gone and it was just my husband and I alone with her, as time went on, we knew that we were going to have to call a nurse to come in and take her. And I think up until that point, all of the things that I had wrestled with in my faith were much more on paper than they were in the flesh. But I had to hand my daughter to someone and watch her be taken away from me, knowing that I wouldn't see her again this side of heaven. And as I lay in that hospital bed, and everything in me wanted to just bang on all the buttons and tell them to bring her back. I really called out to God in a way I never had before, and I just said, I can't do this, and I need you to just be here right now. I just need you to hold me. He did. He did. I don't know that we'll ever do it perfectly, but I will tell you that in that moment, I saw um, a side of God that I've never experienced and have never forgotten since then. Just his faithfulness to one girl in a hospital room who's devastated. And I just really felt that he was there. He is with you in whatever furnace you're in right now. In whatever suffering you're going through right now, he is there. He's with you. Another reason Peter talks about is our suffering means glory in the future. Uh, back to verse 13, but rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. The greater our suffering for Christ in this life, the greater our joy in the next life. We pay a price today in order to have joy in the future. 
hey, kids, uh, if you take piano lessons, I know it's not fun. You may not enjoy practicing scales by the hour, day after day, but you will love being able to play beautiful music someday. Uh, the, the price of today is order to have joy in the future. Athletes don't enjoy the hard work of practicing today, but they will love winning the game tomorrow. Have you ever noticed how your favorite stories from the past are about times when you went through something hard and you came through it? Isn't that interesting? Those are the stories we, we tend to share with the greatest enthusiasm about how things were hard and we got through it to the other side. And those are our favorite stories of the past and they will also be our favorite stories of the future. They will be our favorite stories of heaven. Today's suffering is tomorrow's great story in, in heaven. Uh, we have a joke among pastors that when anything ever bad happens to us, we think, oh, that was bad. But our next thought is, that'll make a great sermon illustration someday. So something bad happens, we're like, oh, that's a bad thing. But well, that'll, that'll be a good story someday. And the stories of heaven will be about the times of our most intense suffering that God brought us through. Now multiply how an athlete feels, how a piano student feels. Multiply that times a thousand for the followers of Jesus. Suffering for Jesus today will bring great, great joy for eternity. Hang in there, Purpose Church. Hang in there, persevere. What you are going through is gonna bring you great glory and great joy someday for all of eternity. Now another thing that Peter talks about is our suffering brings to us the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Notice we've talked about all three members of the Trinity, that God, uh, the Father, is close to the brokenhearted. Jesus, the Son, is with us in the furnace, and now our suffering brings to us the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Let's go to verse 14. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Your deepest times of, of sensitivity to the Holy Spirit are when you go through those times of suffering. Alan Stibbs writes, this is the paradoxical truth of present Christian experience, namely that to have to suffer reproach for Christ's name is not a misfortune to be resented in self-pity but a privilege for which to thank God and to congratulate oneself. Boy, I tell you, when anybody's uh, put me down for my Christian faith or whenever I face any resistance because of being a Christian, my first thought is not to congratulate myself. But he said it's not a time for self-pity. It's a time to congratulate oneself. And then the second half of that verse says our, our suffering enables us to glorify his name. Moving on to the second half of verse 14. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Our sufferings enable us to glorify his name. Uh, Polycarp um, was mentored by the apostle John and he eventually became the pastor of the church in Smyrna uh, in what is today the nation of Turkey. Smyrna is one of the seven churches of Revelation uh, that Jesus talked about in Revelation chapter three. Uh, he was burned at the stake around 155 AD 
for following Jesus. And the Roman authorities said that they would spare his life. He was an old man. And so they took a pity on him. And the man in charge uh, said, I will spare you life, your life. All you have to do is deny Christ. Just deny Christ. And, and you don't have to be burned alive at the stake. And, and when faced with that choice, Polycarp said these famous words that have echoed through almost 2,000 years of church history. He said, 80 and six years, he was 86 years old, 80 and six years have I served him and he never did me any injury. How can I blaspheme my king and my savior? He says, for 86 years, he's done me nothing but good. How would I ever think at the end of my life now to blaspheme my king and my savior? A suffering gives us a chance to glorify his name. Now, Peter now is gonna ask us to examine uh, our lives, examine your life. He's gonna ask us three questions. But before we answer the three questions that Peter wants us to ask ourselves, uh, I want us to take just a moment to ask the hardest question there is to answer. This is probably the most difficult question that Christians ever have to answer. Why does God allow pain and suffering? And again, I'm not gonna give you a complete answer in a three-minute uh, video clip, but it'll be a grain of understanding, maybe just a little bit of understanding uh, as to why God allows pain and suffering within our lives. Let's watch this together. When you look at the whole story of human history and, and even uh, from the narratives of the scriptures, you see that the suffering that we see in the world is precisely uh, what he said would be without him. You know, sometimes the problem of suffering is called the problem of pain. I think that helps us to understand it because pain is actually a good thing. It's a good thing in the sense that it's telling us when there is something wrong. In reality, as if we're honest, the suffering in this world uh, and the things that we see, they're not caused by God, they're caused by us. God is not trafficking children in the sex trade, people are. Uh, and God is, is not sexually abusing women, people are. And God is not selling drugs on the corners in downtown Atlanta where I live, people are. And so the problem of suffering or pain is a reflection of the fact that we have built into our nature ways in which we correct ourselves um, and draw back from situations that do us harm. But it's not hopeless because the other side of that is Jesus saying that, you know, though this suffering is here now um, and is the temporary reality in which we exist, I came because there's a future hope, a future reality, uh, a better world that's not only as good as the one that was supposed to be. Suffering is an inevitable part of uh, being in a real universe where we have freedom uh, to be good or ill. So human evil is permitted by God because that's the kind of a universe that he's placed us in. The things that we see now are subsequently tied to that very beginning unraveling. It's like a sweater and the first people, they, they tugged at the thread. It didn't just unravel 
their connection to the God who created everything, but it actually began to unravel the very fabric of the world that he created. And so natural disasters and hurricanes and earthquakes and terminal diseases, these are all things that were never intended. But when the thread was pulled and everything else began to unravel, those things began to unravel in the world as well. Now Peter is going to have us ask ourselves three questions. The first question is, why am I suffering? There are good reasons to suffer. There are neutral reasons to suffer. They're out of our control. And then there are bad reasons for suffering. He says in verse 15, if you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. You shouldn't break the law, suffer the consequences, and say, I'm being persecuted. Peter says, no, that's, that's not the way it works. Um, you're being persecuted because you broke the law, and you suffer the consequences. So don't say, I'm being persecuted, when that's the, the situation. And then I absolutely love this last word here, meddler. Uh, Peter's just awesome. Uh, we believe this is a word he made up. A uh, meddler is uh, the Greek word. It comes from the Greek word allotripiscopus, um, which is a very rare word in the Greek. And Bible scholars even believe that Peter may have even made it up. <laughs> and scholars debate um, about what it means. But in looking at all the different possibilities of what it means, here's what I think it means. It means don't be suffering as a meddler means annoying or obnoxious. Okay, I'm gonna apply this to myself and you can listen in. Uh, Glenn, sometimes you say, oh, I'm being persecuted because I follow Jesus. And Jesus is saying, no, it's because, Glenn, you're a jerk. Uh, that's what Peter's talking about here. Uh, to be a meddler means to be annoying or obnoxious. And, and so he's saying, don't suffer or say I'm being persecuted for Jesus if we break the law or if we're just annoying or obnoxious. Now, let me say a word to those of you who have not yet committed your life to Jesus. Um, please don't allow the meddler in Christians that you've observed or in me to keep you from receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior. When you stand before God someday, it is not gonna be an acceptable answer. Jesus, I never received you because your followers were so obnoxious. That's not gonna cut it. Don't make that mistake. But now let me say to fellow Christ followers like myself, let's reduce the obnoxious, the, um, the allotripiscopus, the annoying, the obnoxious uh, part of us as much as possible, be as winsome as possible so that people are drawn to Jesus. We are imperfect. And so if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, don't let our imperfections keep you from Jesus. But on the other hand, if you're following Jesus, let's get rid of as much of this meddlership as we can so that the offense is truly Jesus and not, and, and not us. Now here's a second question Peter asked. Am I ashamed of Christ or glorifying Christ? Uh, verse 16, however, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. If you suffer as a Christian, don't be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. Now, the word Christian was just coming into use 
when Peter wrote this. It was just coming into popularity. Uh, Do you know that at first, in the early church, Christians were first of all known as Jews because they didn't know any difference between a Jesus-following Jew and a non-Jesus-following Jew. So uh, we're just simply called Jews to begin with uh, of the Jewish faith. But then later on, Christians began being known as disciples or believers, uh, the Lord's disciples. Uh, One of the things we were called is those who belong to the way, because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. The first time we were called Christians was in a city called Antioch, in what is today the nation of Syria. And uh, it means a follower of Christ. And so he says, "Don't, don't be ashamed of bearing that name. And when Peter wrote, do not be ashamed, I believe he was thinking here of the time that he himself denied Jesus uh, prior to his crucifixion. And then the third question uh, Peter wants us to ask ourselves, am I seeking to win the lost? Verse 17, for it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Now, I believe what he means by this is, if followers of Jesus suffer in this life when we do wrong, what will happen to people who have not yet received Christ when they enter into the next life? And this motivates us to do everything in our power to reach our oikos for Jesus. Oikos, the Greek word for household, the eight to 15 in our sphere of influence. Uh, Our assignment from God is to go to heaven and take our oikos with you. And so Peter's saying, if we suffer when we do wrong as followers of Christ, what is the terrible fate for eternity of those that have not yet received Christ? How scary is that? And let that be a powerful motivator that our main purpose in life is to go to heaven and to take our oikos with us, to spare no resources, no time, no energy, no prayers uh, to see that happen. Um, Now, if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, in just a couple of minutes, I'm gonna give you a chance to do that in just a moment. But before we do that, let's look at the final thing that Peter tells us to do. He says, commit yourself to God. Verse 19. So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Let's just leave that up there for just a moment. Uh, There are seven words that Jesus said while suffering on the cross. We call them the seven final words of Christ on the cross. And the seventh and the final word was, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. That's the last thing Jesus ever said uh, before his death on the cross. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. In his suffering, he committed himself to his heavenly Father. And so the first thing uh, Peter tells us that we should do is in our suffering, we commit ourselves to our Faithful creator. Now, this is interesting. Peter made up that other word. This is very rare. Only place in the New Testament where these two words are put together. So Peter um, kind of creates that word for meddler, for obnoxious, for annoying. And now he puts these two words together. Faithful creator. Faithful reminds us of God's love. And creator reminds us of God's power. So what Peter is saying is, 
in the midst of your furnace, in the midst of your suffering, in the midst of your trouble, be encouraged that God's love and his power, your faithful, loving, powerful creator has control of your circumstance. Whatever you are going through today, your faithful creator is there in the fire with you. God's love and God's power in the middle of our trouble. Persevere, Purpose Church. Persevere. I know this is a hard time. I know this is a discouraging time. I know you're beaten down and you're worried, worried and, 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 and fearing weary. Persevere and continue to do good. Commit yourself to your faithful creator and persevere in continuing to do good. Uh, I, I wanna close with this quote. I love this quote by, he's an old guy uh, from the 1700s, Samuel Johnson. And don't you love that hair? If COVID goes on much longer and I can't get a haircut for a while longer, that's what my hair is gonna look like. You just wait. Uh, it's not gonna be long if COVID continues and I can't get myself a haircut. But here's what he wrote. Great works are performed not by strength, but by perseverance. Yonder palace was raised by single stones, yet you see its height and its spaciousness. He that shall walk with vigor three hours a day will pass in seven years a space equal to the circumference of the globe. Keep doing good. Persevere, Purpose Church. One step in front of the other. One stone on top of the other. Day in, day out, long, steady perseverance and faithfulness. That's what our church has been about for 150 years and God is in the process in your life and in our church of building a palace raised by single stones, a circumfering, a circling the globe, 120 nations, one step in front of the other, persevere and continue to do good. Now back to verse 19. So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator. If you've never committed yourself to Jesus, I wanna give you a chance to do that right now. Three simple phrases. First of all, you say, I'm sorry, God, for the sin and wrongdoing in my life. I'm sorry, please, Lord, have mercy on me. And then the, word th the phrase, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for suffering on the cross and suffering for me so that I could be forgiven. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. And then the third phrase is please. Please, Jesus, forgive my sin. Please come into my heart. Please, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Let's pray together. You pray silently wherever you are as I pray out loud. Oh God, I am sorry for the sin and the wrongdoing in my life. Lord, have mercy. Jesus, thank you for suffering on the cross for me. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. And please now, Jesus, come into my heart. I commit myself to my faithful creator. Please, Lord, have mercy. And we pray this in Jesus' name, that name, that blessed name, Peter was talking about, that name above all names, 
In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's family said, amen.